you know, you make the case for for treating the soil well and what you have to do to treat the soil well. In other words, it's alive. Don't kill it. Don't deform it. The case is irrefutable that we have to start treating our soil well and, and realize that we have a relationship with it. And if we're soil blind, the relationship is not going to be very good. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm your host, Jennifer Jewell. Recent spring rains have brought welcome shades of green to the place I call home. The valley and foothill grasslands, oak savannas, and riparia are softened, illuminated. The depth of color holds all the promise of spring. And yet, look closely. Along the roadsides, around mailboxes and electric posts, along the verges of agricultural fields, you'll see a pale reddish yellowing to the spring's greening grasses, the telltale color of someone having used a glyphosate-based herbicide to stop the growth of the plants there for weed suppression and even fire control later in summer. We've been told for many years that glyphosate, the active ingredient in herbicides such as Roundup, break down quickly. They don't accumulate. And yet, this year, more and more research from sources such as the independent microbe Initech laboratories in St. Louis and studies published from the USDA refute these previous claims. Glyphosate, genetically engineered into the seeds of some commercial crops, as well as sprayed directly onto the land, is showing up in our non-engineered seeds and foods. It's showing up in our rivers. It's showing up long after we were told it would dissipate in our soils. It's showing up in our breast milk. Besides being horrific, these reports provide an opportunity for us to stop and wonder, is this what we want to feed our babies, ourselves, our soils? expediency of weed control and fire suppression notwithstanding. Is there not a better way? Last week, we chatted with the Organic Seed Alliance and with Kaylin Redwood, an organic seed grower in Northern California. If seed is the alpha and omega, the beginning and end of the lives of seed-bearing plants, then soil is the place most seed calls home. It's a very important place for all of us to cultivate consciously. This week, I'm really pleased to welcome to the program Deborah Coons-Garcia, director, writer, and producer of the full-length documentary Symphony of the Soil. And yes, she is the widow of Jerry Garcia. Symphony of the Soil is being featured at CSU Chico's 2016 This Way to Sustainability Conference. It shows at 12 noon tomorrow, Friday, March 25th. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. So I am a big believer in the natural world being a really important part of our cultural literacy. And when the natural world is not part of our life's education, we're essentially illiterate in something very elemental. When I was watching the film and reading about you and your work in developing it, this idea struck me as really similar to what you refer to as soil blindness, a human affliction that the movie is creatively and really movingly working to redress. So from what I've read, you became a vegetarian in 1970, and you've always had at least a little garden. Talk about the importance of the interconnectedness of the natural world in your life and films. 
Well, yes, I do consider the natural world an influence and, and the things that I um, learned about and, and committed to back, you know, back in 1970 when I was in college, and that was the whole, you know, there was a lot of <clears throat> interest in nature back then and the whole, you know, counterculture hippie thing, back to the land and all that sort of stuff. And and that was, uh, so, so I became a vegetarian and started really educating myself about uh, food and health and food and social justice. And, and that, those were really important, and, and they, um, you know, they supported my decision to eat in a healthier way and to really understand the consequences of my food choices. And that's the same year I started making films. So I had always wanted to get this across in my film work. So I think that the more people understand about how the natural world works and the more that they can appreciate that and see it as, in a sense, miraculous. You know, like photosynthesis is a miracle, mm-hmm. you know. And there's so much life going on. If you walk out the door and you look look into the woods or you look into a field, if you're fortunate to be able to have that near at hand or even a park, if you understand it, you realize there's so much life going on there. There's all these microorganisms and insects and, you know, worms and voles. And, you know, there's a whole cycle of life going on that we're part of, you know, that we're interdependent with. And I think that 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 helps us feel connected to the natural world. So we live in a day and age when most people, um, we have to sort of consciously include the natural world into our life and and to connect in it in a way that um, transcends the intellect. And I think it's important. I think it's important that we hold on to the natural world and we we try to um, save, uh, you know, wild land, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and be able to walk places where there's not so much of the human hand. You know? Right. And I, I think it, it nurtures us, and I think it makes us more uh, compassionate and more connected when we feel connected to nature. I think it makes it easier to feel connected to other people. And, um, and I think all those things are, are essential for this day and age. Yeah. The mention of your loving to make films, which is very apparent in the watching of this film, takes me back to uh, your earlier documentary, The Future of Food, which was released in 2006 and is widely acknowledged as being a catalyst for the local food movement. And in that movie, you really highlight concerns about the corporatization and the consolidation of our food system. And while watching The Symphony of the Soil, it really felt like the future of food was almost you exploring widespread symptoms of a deeper problem that you then get to or kind of discover in Symphony of the Soil and this foundational element of the living soil and the plants and the animals dependent on it that that clothe our planet. Do you see these two films as being a progressive understanding on your part? Absolutely, exactly that. Um, When I made uh, The Future of Food, you know, because I've always been, you know, kind of an organic, basically an organic fanatic and really wanting people to, you know, eat in a healthy way and support farmers and all these things that have been part of my life for, you know, decades. And I decided to make The Future of Food because I didn't really know anything about, you know, I feel like I'm here, I live in Marin County, you know, I'm eating all this great food and really knowledgeable about about uh, food systems, and I didn't really know about uh, genetic engineering or Monsanto buying up the seed supply mm-hmm. or patenting seeds. I didn't realize 
how the food system was uh, really getting extremely corporatized and that that sort of thing. So I decided uh, to make the film about that because if I didn't know about it and I feel like I'm really knowledgeable, then, you know, people need to know about this so that they can make choices, you know, based on that, that knowledge. So so that film, you know, I made it, and I didn't know if anybody would want to see it. You know, I just, this is something I really want to do, and uh, I just think it's important. And so I made it, and, and it was actually very well received. It was really <laughs> successful. It was the first film about uh, the food system, you know, it was, it was actually it was released in 2004, and then it was very sort of like a, you know, there was a grassroots thing with it, and then in 2006, it, it actually, you know, was released theatrically, and, you know, it just kept kept going. But I realized I wanted to do kind of a follow-up because it was such a wonderful addition to my life to meet so many people who, you know, who were really concerned about the same things I, I was, and we felt like we were really pushing things forward, and just tons of great screenings and, you know, wonderful gatherings, and it's just been been great, you know, carrying all this bad news to people. <laughs> and the good news, I mean, that film also has the healthy alternative, which is, um, you know, farmer's markets and local food and, you know, all these, these kinds of things. So, so I wanted to get more deeply, I wanted to take it down and get it on, onto a deeper level. So I thought, you know, soil, that's the obvious thing, is, is soil, that's where it really starts. And I, I didn't really know that much about soil when I committed uh, to making a film on soil. As I would tell people, my next film on soil, I'm making a film on soil. And then I start. I mean, I knew something, but then I started uh, reading soil textbooks and befriend, befriending soil scientists. And I realized, oh, this is really a huge topic. <laughs> this is going to be really uh, complicated and complex and challenging. And so that's good. I, I like that. So, so that was... I, I thought that, you know, it makes, it's interesting, as a, a friend told me after he saw the film, he said, you know, you make the case for for treating the soil well and what you have to do to treat the soil well. In other words, it's alive, don't kill it, don't deform it. The case is irrefutable that we have to start treating our soil well and, and realize that we have a relationship with it. And if we're soil blind, like you were saying earlier, then the relationship is not going to be very good. Yeah. But if we're soil conscious and we understand that, you know, we destroy the soil at our own peril, mm-hmm. um, then it's slowly going to change things. I'm speaking with Deborah Coons Garcia, director and writer of Symphony of the Soil. It's a really complex, multidisciplinary field that includes geology, hydrology, soil science, microbiology. How has this film been received in the scientific world? It's interesting with with this with Symphony of the Soil. It, it's also been well received and been shown at the big soil conventions of soil scientists. The world, you know, the one in the world, the World Soil Con- World Congress of Soil Science, and also the big U.S. Uh, gathering of soil scientists. And it's also been um, it's it's been being used by the NRCS, the Natural Resources Conservation Service, who are the soil scientists of our government Mm -hmm. in Washington that's part of the Department of Agriculture. They use this, they've bought and used this film in trainings for for farmers. And so even farmers that don't uh, farm organically yet, because I'm all for everyone, you know, trying to become pesticide-free, you know, there's a there's a real movement in farmers, you know, which has been going on for 
you know, for a few years. It's what farmers used to do, but more and more farmers are adopting these pro- these um, these practices of um, of cover crops, you know, and returning nitrogen to the soil by by turning in these cover crops and crop rotation and you know just things that um, that farmers had gotten away from when they were really doing the industrial model, um, but now they're there is a, really a lot of interest and enthusiasm to move more towards uh, uh, farming more in harmony with nature instead of being so dependent on chemicals. Another moment of awakening for me in the film included your discussion of Sir Albert Howard's Law of Return. If you're not familiar with him, Sir Albert was a British scientist around the turn of the last century, and in the 1940s he published the groundbreaking books, An Agricultural Testament, and the soil and health. Talk a little bit more about this law of return, Deborah. There's a lot of uh, more and more attention on the idea that uh, if we return organic matter to the soil by by um, healthy farming practices and not take it away from the soil, you know, we have a crop. You you take that crop away from the soil and and you know it goes off and feeds people. So you're not returning that to the soil as it would be in nature returned to the soil like a leaf would fall, that leaf would uh, be eaten by microorganisms and end up feeding the soil, the organism of the soil, the organisms in the soil, and the organism that is soil. And this leads to other positive effects, right? So we've, we've moved a lot of organic matter from the soil and our farming practices. By putting that in, back in the soil, your organic matter is carbon. So you're returning carbon to the soil. So if, if we farmed in a healthier way, then we would be able to take this carbon out of the air, you know, there's too much carbon in the air, creating global warming, and return it to the soil, and that would actually help ameliorate climate change. So it's really win-win, you know, healthy soil practices actually win for everybody, including the planet. So, so that was, um, you know, things I discovered when I started making Symphony of the Soil, which completely support the idea of, you know, healthy soil, healthy plant, healthy people, healthy community, healthy planet, you know. So it's even gotten more obvious now that, that it really does go all the way up to the planet, you know. Yeah. And, and, and it's quite, um, it's, it's a really, really great message, and it's one that's resonating. You're listening to Cultivating Place. Today we're talking with Deborah Coons Garcia, director, writer, and producer of the documentary film Symphony of the Soil, a celebratory film sure to make you fall in love with your soil. We'll be right back after the break.
I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Before the break, we began our conversation with Deborah Coons Garcia, filmmaker and activist. She wrote, directed, and produced the documentary film Symphony of the Soil, a love letter to the soil that clothes and feeds our planet and us. Welcome back. So this brings me to the structure of your film itself, this nuanced buildup, and that pun is intended, uh, that you create in the movie of the the filming um, kind of takes the, the viewer across the globe slowly, four different continents, and you have this fantastic charismatic narrator in Dr. Ignacio Chapella, yeah. Yeah, and who is a, a microbial ecologist, and he introduces us to the basic elements from which healthy soil is made very slowly over time. And then we are also introduced to the taxonomy of basic soil types. Mm-hmm. Did this structure of the movie, which really kind of mirrors the creation of soil itself, did that develop for you over time or did you know you were going to do that going into it? And you're right. That is exactly that. But one of the things I realized as I started actually um, making the film was that when people think about in this day and age, when people think about soil, they think about agriculture. You know, what can we get out of it right away? Jump right to that. And I knew that if I was going to make a film that people really wanted to see and thought, now oh, this is great, I learned so much I didn't already know, that I would have to present soil as, uh, as, a, the, as the lead character of the film, but also present it in the first third of the film, the sort of act one, is not having anything to do with agriculture. Soil as its essence you know, soil and its nature, so that people's ideas about what soil is and how we treat it, we, they would just get completely blown away, you know, and think, oh, soil, I never thought of it that way. Wow, I didn't realize that it, you know, that soils have a life cycle. I didn't realize that some soils are 500 years old and some soils are 5 million years old and they are different. So so that was, you know, that, you're right, I wanted to build the film up, you know, start slowly, but then Act 2 is our relationship to soil, which is primarily agricultural. And then Act 3 is soil and big ideas, soil and global warming, soil mm-hmm. and water, soil and feeding the world, that sort of thing. So the film builds in the beginning. It's kind of symphonic, you know, and big, mm-hmm. you know, very grand and, you know, this kind of filming in Norway and the fjords and all this stuff. And then by the end, we're, we're speaking, the, we're showing the film as, as almost, is very quickly paced. You know, it's very quick because we've learned what where carb. You know that there's carbon in the soil. We've learned about nitrogen. We've learned about these things. So by the end of the film, when we say returning carbon to the soil, everybody knows. Oh yeah, I, I know about that because that's what photosynthesis does. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Was really fun trying to figure out um, how to how to move the film in a way that moved people because film is primarily an emotional medium. So I wanted to get the information across, but in a way that moved people so that they feel, that they love, they love. by the end of the film, as a friend of mine who's a, who's a scientist, a climate scientist, she said, by the end, end of the film, people just love soil. They <laughs> do. They, just, they, they definitely love do. Soil. Yeah. And you have this great diversity of voices in the movie, uh, both on film and then clearly working behind the scenes. Scientists, soil advocates, farmers, chefs, artists, animators, composers, and they come from all over the world. Um, And these people and places and this diversity also seem to mirror the diverse life that's in a healthy soil. Was this also purposeful? Well, that's a great observation. 
you know, it ended up, that's the way, you know, as I filmed, I thought, well, this, that, that's what I wanted. I wanted to show that there was a lot, uh, a lot of diversity, a lot of ways of looking at soil, but all of the people looking at soil were passionate about it and mm-hmm. fascinated by it. So that was the link. In one part, we're in the Palouse, the beautiful, dramatic grasslands of eastern Washington with rolling hills. And then we're in Hawaii with black volcanic soils and eruptions going off all around us. And then you really get this sense that we are all tapped in to this exact same uh, clothing of the planet, this soil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that and that's true. And I, I feel like, like I said, I'm a filmmaker, so I wanted people to enjoy the film. So it's a visual treat. And, of course, the music is absolutely wonderful. The music, Todd Buckelhide from Berkeley is just, just a gorgeous music. So even if you, you know, even if you don't even care anything, you know, even if you don't even speak English, and actually we have the film in like six different languages, but you would, you would love the film and feel connected to it. And I think that, you know, as I said, I wanted to blow people's minds about what a film on soil would be like. So when you see the fjords in Norway and you see the volcanic soil in Hawaii and you see this, as you said, you know, these farm, these fields in India that have been farmed for thousands of years, you just, just really go, wow, this is, this is amazing. You know, we are so fortunate to have a planet where there's soil. Right. And, yeah. You also chose a really excellent cast of experts, including one of my longtime heroes, Dr. Elaine Ingham out of Oregon State, who is a passionate soil advocate and kind of um, coined the term soil food web. Tell us a little bit more about what you looked for in your contributors and your collaborators, because while soil is the star character, these supporting characters were very effective. Well, Elaine is Elaine is great because she she talks to, um, she, you know, she's a scientist and an academic, but but she she also teaches soil classes to regular people. So she has a great way of explaining things that people just love. So she's got funny things that she says. You know, she's very entertaining. But I wanted people who were just really wanted to share their enthusiasm for soil and just loved it and were appealing. I think that basically that people be you know, be talking directly to the people watching the film and sharing their enthusiasm and, and people want, you want to hear what they have to say. It's like, I, you know, the full belly farm, I want to hear what you have to say. And so, and that was um, fun because I was, I was learning too, as I was filming yeah. them. Well, and that was um, one of my points watching it as well is that as you clearly do, I consider myself an educated, connected, you know, thoughtful person on all of these topics, that these are meaningful things to me. And so part of me, you know, had had a preconception that that I would be going to a film that was preaching to the choir and that I wouldn't necessarily learn anything I didn't already know. But the really fun thing for me was the things that I did learn while I was watching the movie and some of the things that were so are so obvious to us but um, aren't necessarily well articulated in our own heads. And for me, an example here is the demonstration of the different ways that different um, soils not only absorb water and hold water, but then how they direct water and where they direct it to. Um, 
so I was surprised and in a in a wonderful way by how this deepened my understanding of soil. What were some of the things that you maybe learned that were really surprising to you? Well, one of the things I learned is that soil <clears throat> soil is really alive, and that it's it's also um, you know if we treat it right, it can you know if we, if we treat our soil right, even if it's very damaged, it can come back in just a few years. So I, I really realized that soil is more resilient than I thought that it was, but in other ways it's, it's sort of fragile because if you kill it and it's dead, you know, and that it's, um, I, I learned that we are, you know, we are, are having a lot of challenges for our soils all over the world, but if we really focused on, on, on helping soil, you know, regenerate, that we can do it, you know, it's, it's not too late, and that also, you know, that people are, you know, a lot of farmers well, one interesting thing is that I think when farmers, you know, when they do have, you know, 10,000-acre farms or 20,000-acre farms, and they have these, you know, giant combines and everything, because that's what the system, you know, that's kind of like the peak of one aspect of our agricultural system, they're really removed from the soil. And the more farmers get back to actually down on the soil, the more, you know, they're really focusing on the soil rather than focusing on their equipment or their pesticide systems, all these kind of things, that they, they regenerate, you know. So I've, I've filmed farmers that had really not been that conscious of their soil, and when they really begin to understand that, then they, they treat the soil in a really different way. And gardeners, too, mm-hmm. you know, when they see the soil coming back, when they, you know, add compost to it or they stop using pesticides or they, you know, use plants that help, you know, feed the soil. So that, that to me, was I learned that... Um, Soil is resilient, and but but we do have to take care of it. You know, we can't treat it like dirt. Yeah. So that is a perfect moment for us to um, come to a conclusion. And I would really like for you to read, if you would, the final two paragraphs of your personal statement on the website Symphony of the Soil. It just really, for me, beautifully summarizes the ultimate messages for gardeners, garden lovers, and activists among us. Would you mind reading that for us? Okay, I'd be delighted to. Oops, let me see. Okay. Soil is indeed the protagonist of our planetary story. Halfway through making this film, I realized I was making a film about the underworld, about death and regeneration. Our bones and muscles, our bodies, are made up of nutrients we get from plants or animals that they got from the soil. We rise up out of the soil and we return to it when we die. These elements are then recycled by soil back into life. And if you don't have regeneration, the cycling of life into death and back into life, you just have degradation and death. The good news is that soil is pretty forgiving. If we change the way we treat soil, we could solve so many of our problems in just a few years. Soil lovers unite. The planet we save will be our own. <laughs> Thank you so much. Deborah Coons Garcia, it has been an honor to have you. Thank you, Jennifer. I enjoyed it. Deborah Coons Garcia is the director, writer, and producer of the full-length documentary Symphony of the Soil, which airs tomorrow at CSU Chico's This Way to Sustainability Conference. Deborah will be on hand to introduce the film and answer questions directly after. 
Thank you so much for listening in. Join me again next week as our conversations continue with Dr. Elizabeth Hoover, gardener, beadworker, fancy shawl dancer, and professor of American studies at Brown University. Her work focuses on issues of social justice and documenting Native American community gardening and agricultural projects and practices across the country. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is produced by Matt Schultz. Podcasts and photographs directly relating to today's program can be found at mynspr.org. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.